Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Weekend Review Podcast on Thursday, October 31st. Happy Halloween. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the legacy of John Walker, the latest on the uncertain future of the Little Rock School District, and the recommendations for from a governance study group for the city of Little Rock. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Good afternoon. We are taping a, a day earlier than usual um, because I'm going to be out. Excuse me. <clears throat> State Representative John Walker, the towering Litterock civil rights attorney, died October 28th in his home. He was 82. Yeah, well, what a shock because I, I talked to him last week and his close friends had seen him the night before, ate catfish with him, one of them said, and he went as all of us would like to go, apparently quietly during his sleep. He'd been treated for lung cancer some time ago, but that was thought to be in remission. You know, you get to be 82 and things can get you. So and he... Um, it was kind of a shock because he had been busy in federal court within the last week in the school's desegregation case he'd been litigating for half a century. And, boy, what a void he leaves. And he, he, he'd just been such a, a presence for so long that he sort of seemed like he'd live forever. just seemed like there would not be a world without John Walker doing what John Walker does, irritating a lot of people, uh, defending individual and minority rights and uh, generally injecting himself sometimes in ways that made the community at large unhappy. You know, it's it's been very interesting. I mean, I think there is sort of a, a custom that we don't speak ill of the dead. And, and so John Walker's been enjoying, his memory's been enjoying that honeymoon with one or two narrow exceptions. I mean, but the, the I, I remarked somewhere that the cascade of thoughts and prayers statements from Republican Party officials rang just a little bit hypocritical to me since they stood in the way of nearly everything John Walker ever fought for. You know, and particularly they were almost patronizing as well, you know, we disagreed with him, but gosh, you gotta say he was a gentleman, unlike some of those SOBs who have not been gentlemanly very often in in their own battles i I think particularly of tim griffin you know who was the war room guy for bush and caged black voters in florida to keep them from voting uh, against george bush's interests and i thought you know getting a statement from tim griffin on john walker really just kind of tops all but i do i do think that the day will come when everybody will remember the things that they always used to cascade john walker about the money he received in the desegregation case he became sort of the person to blame for the condition of the Little Rock School District, primarily because he aligned himself with the interests that are most in need of help in the Little Rock School District, poor black children, and the ones who still, despite his efforts, uh, remain far behind, as they do in most of the country in urban school districts. So, But he was a founder of the ACLU in Arkansas. He fought for voting rights. He won significant victories in employment discrimination cases against the biggest corporations in Arkansas. I mean, it, it's it's hard to imagine, as Ernie Dumas wrote, somebody in Arkansas who left a bigger legacy for civil rights than John Walker. And as a result of that, I, I you know, this week, I, somebody wasn't my original with me. Somebody said we ought to name a school after John Walker. And, and I think that's a great idea. Somebody later told me that uh, somebody might have suggested naming the new Southwest High School Forum during the period when they were building the new high school, which is going to open next year. But he was alive at that time, and there is a state law that nominally prevents naming of public buildings for living people. 
uh, I, I'm not so sure. I thought Jim Ross, who was a member of the Little Rock School Board when it was disbanded by the state, said that, no, we ought to name the high school that, ever, that the that the anti-Little Rock School District people want to build in Northwest Arkansas, Pinnacle Valley Middle Northwest School. Northwest Little Rock. Uh, yeah, Northwest Little Rock. Pinnacle Valley Middle School has been expanded to grade nine. There's a push by people from the Walton end of the spectrum to expand it into a 12 grade school. Let's name that for John Walker and let people have to say his name every day in that part of town. I think that's a, I think that's a grand idea. And I think if that day were to come, I think we would then reopen the debate on whether John Walker was a force for good or not for good among at least some people in the Little Rock School District. And John Walker wouldn't shy away from a de- debate like that. I think he uh, kind of liked being viewed as the guy in the black hat. And unclear who will take up his reins. And well, I, in our last conversation, we talked about his interest in filing another lawsuit against the state of Arkansas for racial discrimination in its handling of the Little Rock School District and how it treats different parts of town in different ways. He was really hopeful, I think, that he could make at least enough of a case to keep the case in court through the 2020 election so it could be an issue in election contest. But he said, you know, I'm getting old and there really needs to be somebody to pick up where I'm going to leave off. And that person is not readily apparent. I mean, there are other good lawyers in town, but they have to make a living. <coughs> what, what John did might not be possible in the future. A, a lot of the work, you know, people thought he got rich off the Little Rock School case. He litigated for years without being paid anything. And then he'd get a big payment, but I mean, it was it was it was not about the money. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, he made money from it, but that that's not what it was about. And he would go long periods of time, sustaining all his costs and and in the interest of desegregating the school district. And whether other people will be in a position to do that, I don't know. The other thing about John that's not widely known is the number of people he helped out in the community. I mean, whether through legal services or money or what have you, he was a, I mean, he was interested in power, make no mistake. And, and he exerted it and within the school district particularly. And, and he could be exasperating his work habits. He was a procrastinator. He wasn't always well prepared. He, he got by on his wits frequently, which were often good enough. Uh, he wasn't, easy to work for, I think is evidenced by the people who came and went in some of his law practices. But, you know, I made my peace with him years ago. I've written before it was a political issue that he got involved in. And it, it, what he did actually cost my wife a job once. And she almost went to work for his law firm, in fact, years ago. But, but it was just, you know, that was just politics. I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I long ago got past any of that sort of thing just because I kind of came to respect who and what he was. Okay, uh, well, moving on, the latest uh, chapter in the ongoing Little Rock School District mess, the uh, State Education Department released a draft version of its Memorandum of Understanding uh, between it and the City of Little Rock and the Little Rock School District, though it's a very asymmetrical relationship. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. And I think insulting may be the best one-word description of what Johnny Key came up with. Yeah, so it, uh, (coughs) excuse me, it it, it deals with community schools quite a bit. But uh, the things that um, 
you know, or sort of most galling. It uh, stipulates that while the district remains under level five intensive support, which is uh, the what the designation that succeeded academic distress, uh, the Little Rock School School Board that's slated to be elected in November of 2020 won't be able to resume recognition of the Little Rock Education Association. Board won't be able to fire the superintendent. Uh, the The budget will be something that's done between the district in collaboration with the state. Um, if there are disputes among the board, then there's an appeal process to Secretary Key. Uh, I'm clear and, what that And means. furthermore, it made clear that under state law, the board still has ultimate total control over the district. Right. In any way, shape, or form. Right. I mean, the notion that this is being called a return of local control is laughable. Yes. So the, it's kind of bitter irony. You're talking about Walker contemplating a, a lawsuit on inequities in education. The state is, is using uh, threat of civil rights lawsuit, so they say, to justify its decisions that under the Lakeview uh, school case um, that that said that the, the Constitution requires uh, an equ- equitable education uh, for all students. Uh, they're saying that that requires them to hang on to the Little Rock School District. Well, that's absurd. Uh, that's a, a gross misreading of the law. First of all, they're asserting control over 46 schools when there are only six or eight that are that are having problems. Uh, second of all, they're ignoring, they're not giving the same treatment to dozens of other schools in the state that are in the same circumstance. That's just baloney, and, and that's not what Lakeview said, and that's, you know, it's... And, and speaking of equitable treatment, I mean, they made not a single dollar commitment to support of the community school concept in Little Rock. That's going to be all the state, the city's responsibility. And I really felt a little sorry for Mayor Frank Scott, who, to his credit, has decided to take a vigorous role in regards to Little Rock School District, which is not under law of responsibility of the city. And for his trouble, he's really been submarined by the state. He's been made to look a fool. I mean, he looks like a tool for the state of Arkansas. And he issued a statement after this memorandum was issued saying, that wasn't my deal. <laughs> I didn't write any of that. I had nothing to do. I'm interested in the community schools. This other stuff isn't my thing. And I even got him to commit last night to ask the state for a moratorium on further charter school seats in Little Rock. You know, I don't think, I think him saying it is worth something for sure, given the value he's been to Asa Hutchinson as an ally. I don't think they'll do it. But it's always been incredibly ironic that the state, in control of the Little Rock District for five years, have been contributing to its demise by encouraging better students and state money to leave the Little Rock School District and go to charter schools. It's just nuts. But this is what the Waltons want. This is what Walter Hussman wants. That's that's what Asa wants. I mean, I I think Asa Faubus is a good name for the governor. Uh, There's also in this this MOU, draft MOU, a, a real undercurrent of disregard for teachers. Uh, we've we've heard this throughout in a lot of the rhetoric. Uh, there's a suggestion that uh, in the community schools there there will be merit pay and uh, priority staffing, 
um, you know, which suggests that the problem with schools that don't score well on tests is teachers. It's the teacher's fault. And, and, and every <clears throat> study shows this is nonsense. Number one, Vanderbilt did an extensive study on merit pay. It doesn't, it doesn't produce any meaningful benefits. This is to open the door to staff in these schools with Teach for America kids and not certified teachers if need be. The state would control the hiring of the, of the students. Uh, they'd penalize teachers for, for absences no matter how justified they were by illness or family circumstance. It's just all about beating up on teachers, and it's, it's just repugnant in, in nearly every way. And what, what, the, what the weight of all the evidence shows, even by the Walton-funded people at Fayetteville, is, is school results are just almost invariably a direct product of home economic in other social circumstances. And and when you start behind because of those circumstances, doesn't mean you can't learn, doesn't mean you can't advance, doesn't mean you don't wanna, that some teachers can't do better than others with that circumstance, but that's just the way it's gonna be. That's just, no, no in no city in the country have they solved this. There, there are individual schools and individual places that seem to have figured out a way to to do extraordinary things with difficult populations. But overall, the charter schools haven't worked. Voucher programs don't work. I mean, it's just, it's just not there. That's not that economics are destiny. Today, the uh, Little Rock School District's contract with the Little Rock uh, Education Association, the local teachers union expires. There had been uh, a lot of talk about a strike starting as soon as Monday. Uh, today, Thursday, and Friday, uh, LRSD students are out because of uh, a teacher, um, what's it called? Work days or service or in-service training or something. Some kind of training. Yeah. So there had been talk of uh, a work stoppage as soon as Monday. That seems unlikely to happen now. There's there's already um, social media talk about a, a Wednesday a walk-in where teachers and community members uh, walk in to school all together, sort of showing uh, unity. Um, so it's unclear what's going to happen. Well, I, I sense that there is a division even within the teacher ranks on the value of a strike. Uh, I, I'm, well, I'm, and you can't discount that there are teachers who are need the money and absolutely i mean for it's not and are politically it's not it's not ideological at all it's merely this is livelihood for hundreds of people and it's not very easy to walk away from that particularly when this is not a strike where the goal is economic benefit i mean in the long term it kind of is if you believe union representation is your economic benefit but it's not like the big strikes that have occurred in Illinois and Oklahoma and other states where it was really about level of pay and and they force people to come to the table and do something about pay. This is about something more abstract. It's about local control. It's about union representation. And as I've written, I don't believe the state is going to give on those points and the state is in control. And so then you have a situation of how do you have a strike where you can declare any victory and when do you when do you call it to an end and how long do you prolong it? Because 
I mean, some teachers could be fired. I mean, if, if they if they refuse to go to work, there's a possibility of firing them. Realistically, the district doesn't want to fire hundreds of teachers because they don't have anybody to replace them with. But there's that. Uh, there's the, the fact that it will be easy for the opponents of the teachers to say they don't care about kids or all these kids that need help and they're not going to school. I think it, it would be very hard to, to achieve a public relations victory from a strike against the people saying, oh, the poor children are being ignored. And uh, there, there's a movement afoot, I think, to take a longer strategy. And I think that there are interim steps, these demonstrations you talk about that could be useful because the elections next November for the first school board are really important, even if the state limits the power of that board originally. And because the right kind of people are going to be important on that board. In Los Angeles, the Waltons spent millions of dollars to elect school boards that favored increasing charterization of the school district. I don't think it's a scare tactic to think that that might happen here and that they will they will try and elect the kind of people that will say, sure, take over all these schools in this part of town and not, not leave, leave Forest Park alone and Pinnacle View and Roberts Elementary because they work great because they're full of middle-class white kids. But So, I, you know, I, I, think, I think building a consensus that we don't want outsiders dictating how our school district is run and that we have good teachers and we have good schools and we're doing extra things for the kids who need it most, that... That's that's the kind of long game the big money has played, and that maybe the insurgents on the on the teacher side need to think about. It. At least that's my thought. But easy for me to say, I'm not. I haven't been disrespected as wholly as the teachers have been by the state of Arkansas, and the the anger is is understandable and real. Yeah. Well, we will stay on it. The Little Rock Governance Structure Study Group sent to Mayor Frank Scott and city board members uh, late last week its report on changing the form of Little Rock City Government. And then the board talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. Surprise, a report by a committee largely controlled by appointments by the mayor came up with proposals that sound a lot like something the mayor would like. Stronger power for the mayor, more control over the hiring and firing of the city manager and city attorney. And a, a smaller city board, they would recommend an eight-member board rather than a ten-member board that wouldn't go all wards, but would get rid of pure at-large seats that are elected citywide and replace them with regionals, two regional seats that would be portions of the city. Uh, the mayor himself has resisted having a direct comment on it, I think. Uh, but it came up at the city board, and not too surprisingly, some existing members of the city board aren't too uh, aren't too favorably impressed. Uh, Joan Adcock made it clear that she felt like they were just following the marching marching orders of the mayor. Uh, several city directors don't like the idea of getting rid of the at-large directors. I think they don't like the idea of reducing the size of the board because if they go from ten to eight, two people aren't going to be on the board anymore. <laughs> Two of them will be gone. So there's so there's that. Uh, I was interested. I I got an advanced copy of this report. I guess Friday night and put something on the blog about it Saturday morning, and then on Facebook. And uh, Facebook is by no means a uh, uh, a good scientific measure of anything. But what struck me it was most of the comments were negative. 
and and they were not. It wasn't so much with the nitty gritty of, of city structure. Is there's just a real high degree of negativity about city government in general, which which translates into distrust in anything they propose, and that to me seems to be a problem. Not only in in the mayor's hope that he can change the former city government and make him more powerful but also in the very real and pressing need to do something about the city's terrible budget situation, which is going to mean sooner or later some kind of tax increase proposal. And so I, I, think, I think in all of this, uh, you know, the mayor has the, is the dog that caught the bus that he was chasing, you know. It's now he's got to figure out what he's got to do with his big old vehicle. So I don't know. It's... Uh, Hard to say where this is where this is going to go. For one thing, it will take a city board vote to go to a regional city board, even if they keep the same number. Uh, they'll have to have to have a city board vote for that, and then to go to a pure regional seat from at large will take a, a vote by voters at large. So I don't know. It's an open question about whether he can muster enough votes on the city board for the first step forward on some of these changes. Don't know. Okay, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Nothing. Which, what's your top Halloween candy of all time? Well, I was going to say, I've been, on a, I've been on an extensive research mission to decide if there's a better peanut butter cup than Reese's. And I've had, the, I've had several high-dollar rip-offs of Reese's. Last night, I, I bought a bag of Butterfinger peanut butter cups to see if maybe they would match it, and they just don't. There just isn't a better peanut butter cup than Reese's, and I, I don't think there's any better Halloween candy to give away than Reese's peanut butter cups. Except for people that can't eat chocolate. Well, you know, and, and I'm sorry for them, but I'm just, and I'm not going to give out any gluten-free donuts either, you know. So. Nobody's going to come to your house anyway, so it doesn't matter. They never, they never do. I don't know why that is. My, the garbage trucks don't come to my street either. For about the ninth week this year, I didn't get my garbage picked up this week. Frank uh, Scott promised me last night when they get their 30% rate increase the first of the year, they're going to have more garbage men on the streets and my garbage will be picked up. All right, well, that's what you get for living just sort of But I did call the city's vaunted 311 number, and and after waiting three minutes to finally get somebody, I was lectured by the 31 operator that my problem was not calling in and making a, an official report when my garbage was picked up. I said, you got to make a report to get your garbage picked up? I mean, what's the deal here? What kind of city is this? I have all negative endorsements today. <laughs> Don't ask me any more questions. i got some more gripes, I'm sure. Uh, well, I've, since it's uh, late afternoon, I've really failed at this task, but I, I, I usually like to make a Halloween mixtape every year because there's so much great Halloween music. Do you have a favorite Halloween song? Will you be here when the morning come? Oh, I don't know. What is it? Oh, you know, know, the guy's in the haunted house, and the guy, he, he drinks a skillet full of hot grease. and Screaming Jay Hawkins? Oh, what's that? It's, it's from my childhood. Will you be here when the morning comes? Ain't stay right here, but I ain't gonna run. I don't know this one. I don't think. It sounds like a, a Jerry. Uh, oh, you know, I'll have to look it up. But it's he's gonna stay in this haunted house, and he says, "I nobody's gonna scare me off." And then this creature appears that drinks hot grease from a prying pan, does all kinds of things, and he's out of there. It's that's 
I'm not doing I'm not doing it justice here, but well, I'm that's the one that's the one that comes to my mind in any event. It's hard to go wrong with Screaming Jay Hawkins, uh, but I've I've been listening to Tom Waits albums from the '70s and early '80s, um, and there are a number of them that are spooky. And so I, if you can't lay your hands on a Halloween mix or put one together, you can't go wrong with say Rain Dogs. It's uh, especially for a cold night. Good soundtrack. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Subscribe via your favorite uh, place to get podcasts, and we'll be back next week. Hey, later.